really warm welcome to the teaching ministry of New Life Church Crawley. We're a multicultural, intergenerational church. And we believe in the gospel of Christ. We believe in spreading his love through his word and through his works. We really hope that you enjoy what you hear today. We'd love for you to connect with us via the usual social media outlets, such as Facebook or on our website. It's going to be hard to preach after that, never mind give a testimony. But um, anyone else want to give thanks to God and give glory to God? Do you want to say something, Margaret? Yeah. Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, I had a good Christmas. <laughs> it was funny, though. We got, I thought the Christmas tree was gone on Christmas Day. I looked round, and there it was. Excellent. <laughs> so no one had stolen it. That's good. That would be bad. Anyone else want to give thanks to God? Yeah. Hallelujah. I want to appreciate God for everything. Um, from January 1st until this day, I want to appreciate God for my life, my family, and this family here. I want to appreciate God. Yesterday, I'm thanking God, and there is a song that God laid in my heart, just, just a short one. His eyes are not blind, that he cannot see your tears. His hands are not short, that he cannot reach to you. His ears are not deaf, that he cannot hear your cry. Your tomorrow must be greater than today. Your tomorrow must be greater than today. No matter what I see, no matter what I face, no matter what comes my way, no matter how I cry, one thing I know that is definite in my heart, my tomorrow must be greater than today. Hallelujah. Fantastic. Are we going to start a trend of singing now? Because I can do it too, you know. <laughs> Hi. Hi, church. Um, yeah, this is just about provision, really. This is for um, Sandy's Emily. Um, Emily was uh, promised a, um, a lovely pram, a brand new pram. Can't name, name the pram. What was it called, Sandy? Ickle Bubba. Anyway, poor Emily, she didn't get it for, for reasons. If you, want me, if you want me to tell you, I'll tell you. But anyway, but as I was walking past a charity shop, I noticed a pram outside and I thought, oh, that looks quite nice, that pram. And when I looked down and saw the name of the pram, it was exactly the same pram that she'd been promised and half the price, much, well, less than half the price. So it was just God's provision. I just couldn't believe it. I, I phoned Sandy out and I said, you're never going to believe it. There's a pram here that she wanted. Different colour, mind you, but it was still the same. So. Amen. God bless you. Guys, there, there's a couple of seats here. There's a couple of seats up here. Dilly and Michelle, there's a couple of seats here. There's a couple of seats there. So um, there are seats around. I promise not to pick on you if you sit at the front. <laughs> Maybe not. Any other testimonies? God's grace, God's blessing on your life? Quick one? Yeah, quick. I'm still to preach. 
It's just a quick one, because I don't normally come up the front, but it's, it's um, I don't know what it is really, but what I'm saying is I've been to... Germany? Germany. To, I was invited to, by my daughter to... Um, oh, gosh, it's gone. Oh, my goodness. I don't, I don't know where the city my brain's was. Gone. Sorry, it's I was, Germany. We'll stick yeah, with Germany. Yeah, it'll come to me in a minute, sorry. But what I'm saying, I was invited out, and it's a small village it's in um, Germany. Germany. It will come, it will come. That's why I don't come up the front. But it was 2, 000, there's 2,500 people... No, 200 or 500 people live there. But what I'm saying, we got invited out there and we went. And what I'm saying about God's provision to go, because mm. God knows what's in your bank account. He knows about your work life. He knows about your family life. But God made a way for me to go out there. And we were very blessed because Keris, who's German, and this amazing woman of God, and she shared her testimony, how where she was. And she fought it all the way, all the way with her life. So she's got a great testimony to, to encourage people who are fighting the word of God. But what I'm saying is we went there, unexpected what was going to happen. And it's a long way for me to go, but provision was there because I went with my daughter. That's a blessing. <laughs> and, um, but what I'm saying, God's provision, I mean, we, we saw someone else's, how they live their life and how faithful they are to God and how God, God transformed her life to where she was fighting the battles. And she was just a blessing to me and my daughter to see those other people. But I was out and I found it really difficult because everyone was talking German. I don't speak any German. Actually, I do. I'm learning German. But what I'm saying is, I was out and I found it difficult not to talk because I like talking, to talk to people. And I thought, and I want to share, I want to share. And I found it difficult. So I sat down in the, like a boot shop. I thought, Lord, yeah, but he makes a way. So I sat next to this young man. I just used to speak English <laughs> and they do a little bit. But the, the sad thing is, out in, in Germany, they obviously, because they, yeah, they do things differently. But they, um, but he opened up about how he's walked, they've walked away. They're young, they're, what's he? 17-year-old lads, and they've walked away. They, they don't see the vision. Mm. So just pray that we pray for those in Germany that want to hear the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. But the fact is they engaged with me, which I thought was amazing. So I think we should just pray for those that are running behind us that need to have prayer to run forward to the, the living God. Amen, yeah. Thank you, Michelle. Great testimony. God's provision and given his opportunity to share the word. Why don't we take a, a moment to welcome one another? Some of you have joined us since we started. Uh, so you can get up, move around, say hello. If you're a guest here, then some folks will come to you uh, and then we'll look at God. So Father, we thank you for your word. We pray as we begin to, to look at your word together that you would help us have understanding, that you'd help us grow in our knowledge, that you'd help us grow in grace. Father, be with us today, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's a famous saying from around the 1200s that says, time and tide waits for no man. Uh, some of you know that one. It's a popular expression, uh, alerting us to the fact that, you know what, some things are inevitable. Birth, death, sun rising in the morning, the passage of time. None of us, no matter how clever, no matter how strong we are, we can't stop the natural things of life actually happening to us. Sometimes those things are forced upon us and we'd rather not face them, especially when that comes to areas of bereavement. We'd rather not face them, but they're still a part of life. And there are other times and other seasons where God brings, I think, things into our life that will shift things for us. And I want to talk over today, a little bit tonight, when we gather for into the new year, and then next 
next Sunday about this season of spiritual shift. Because I, I believe God also wants us to shift in a positive way that brings renewal. Sometimes shifts are forced upon us and we don't welcome them. But actually, I think God wants us as individuals and as a church to have a season of spiritual shifts. And so that's what I'm going to pray into. And we're going to talk about this, as I say, today, next week. And then I think we're going to revisit it again after Easter as well and after the fast. I want to kind of speak not to just us as individuals or us as a church, but part of my ministry, as you know, is, is to the wider church uh, in dealing with other leaders and dealing with other nations. And I know some of our friends um, from around the world watch our streams. So I want to be able to speak to them as well. But as we start as a church, um, there, there is a shift that God wants to do. And I want to encourage you as we head into 2024 that the start of the Daniel fast is an opportunity to, to pivot or shift in a certain direction. Now, we, we don't put pressure on people to fast. Fasting is, is always voluntary, but it is an opportunity to listen to God. It is an opportunity right at the start of the year to give concentrated times to focus on God. I, I've enjoyed Christmas. We've had a great time with our lads uh, like you probably had a little bit too much. Uh, we feasted, and, and Scripture has time for that. There's a lot of stuff in the Scripture about feasting, but there's also a time where we have to draw close to God, and fasting is appropriate. We put a, a web page uh, up for those of you who may not be for, so familiar or want to refresh your memory. You can scan the QR code. Uh, there's some previous messages I've taught. There's some stuff on downloads about the type of foods you can eat about preparing for that. It's not about legalism, but one of the things I want to encourage you this week is to begin to think about and prepare for, for, for the fast. Because I find if we go in with the right attitude, if we go in with the right mentality, then that's what sustains us. And the verse that kind of I feel God give to me as the basis for our fast this year is Colossians 2.7. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will go strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I want that to mark our church fellowship. I want that to mark my life, that my roots have gone down deep into him, that my life is established to him, that I'm overflowing with thankfulness. One of the things that we're going to do as part of that is our encounter nights. So for the three Fridays of the fast, the 12th, the 19th, and the 26th, we're going to gather in our counter nights, and we're simply going to make space for God as we do. Uh, not going to be primarily preaching or teaching evenings. We worship, we pray, and we seek God. And can I encourage you to give the first fruits of your year to God? I can honestly say that when you put God first, other things fall into place. Every year without fail, Bev and I have seen some breakthrough that we've been praying for. Not always the next day, <coughs> not always immediately, but I guarantee you by the end of the year, there's always something that we've prayed for in this 21 days that God comes through on. So can I encourage you to gather with us on those nights. We're not putting anything particularly on apart from the bereavement course for that. So there's plenty of space for you to do that. Please take that on board. Time and tide waits for no man. 
Sometimes we think, oh, I'll do that when I have more time. <laughs> I'll pray when, when things are easier, when I'm less busy. That's never going to happen. It's a decision we make because tide and time waits for no man. And I want to talk about some of the shifts that, that I think church, not just New Life Church, but church in general in the West and in other nations, some shifts I think we need to make. And next week, I'm going to make that much more personal and talk about shifts we need to make as individuals. But here's five shifts quickly that I think we need to make in the church. Spiritual shift number one, we need to move from reaching to making. From reaching to making. You see, I don't believe it's enough just to have people make decisions. Yeah, I, I grew up with almost a crusade, evangelistic type mentality in our churches. And I'd, I'd see people, you know, regularly put their hand up for salvation again and again. I'm thinking, but you did that last month. You know, you're already a follower of Christ. Why are you doing that again? And so I, I think we, we very easily have fallen into the trap of just getting people to make decisions. But Jesus actually never used the term Christian. And in today's climate, today's society, it's so nebulous, it almost means nothing. What Jesus talked about was disciples. And disciples is very distinctive. It's not enough to say, oh, we're reaching people. The mandate from Jesus is to make disciples of all nations. How, how do we measure that? Well, well, Scripture gives us some very clear things in the Scriptures before you. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, obey my commands. Not attend church, not be a nice person. If you love me, obey my commands. So for Jesus, obedience is the mark of following him. Obedience is the mark of discipleship. In fact, he said it, Matthew 7, 24, in that famous little parable of the wise and foolish builders. Remember that story? And we may have learned it, not quite 75 years ago, but we may have learned it a while ago about building on the rock and not on the sand. Well, Jesus then comes and says, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And so right at the start of the year, I, I want to ask you, what are you building your life on? Is it something solid? Is it something real? Is it the commands of Jesus? Do you know the commands of Jesus? Do, do you actually know what Jesus says in scripture? Have you read it? And maybe for some of you, you've, you've never read the whole Bible. Can I encourage you to, to read the whole Bible in a year? There's great Bible reading plans on the YouVersion app. If you've never done it, it'll take you around 15 minutes a day. That's all. If you're disciplined in, in doing it. And for some of you, I have um, a plan that uh, takes you 24, 25 days of the year rather than the 31. Because sometimes we miss and then if we miss a couple of days, we get discouraged and we think, oh, what's the point? Well, I have a plan that allows you to do it over 25 days. So that if you do miss, you can still catch up or revisit. But let's know the word. Paul says it in this way, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? Those are challenging words from, from Paul. 
when he says, actually, we should examine ourselves. So the examination is, is not, do you go to church? Are you a nice person? Are you kind? All those things are great things. But the actual examination is Christ in you. Elsewhere in Colossians, he says, it's Christ in us who is the hope of glory. That's, that's the real test. And for us as the church, we have it on the wall. Our goal, our vision is to make disciples who wholeheartedly serve Jesus. That's what we're after. That's why I preach the way I do. I'm preaching for decision. I'm preaching for transformation. I'm preaching for change in your life because God wants us to be his disciples. It's not enough to simply reach out to our community and we do that. We're not here to fill time. We're not here to have a program. We're not here to keep me and some of the leaders busy. We're here to make disciples and you're part of that. So I think that's the first shift we need to make from simply reaching people and getting decisions to understanding we need to be disciples. We need to be making disciples of Christ. Second shift, spiritual shift I think we need to make is from teaching to modeling. All of you who have an education background will know that telling someone something is not the same as teaching them. You can tell some, someone something, but it doesn't mean to say they've got it or they put it into practice. And for us, I think we have to move away from kind of classes or programs or, or study regimes or whatever it is. We have to move away from kind of we attend something to a discipleship lifestyle. And that's where, where we as people, and we as leaders are modeling something for you and then you can teach others the same. And here's the challenge, <coughs> excuse me, here's the challenge for us who claim to have been followers of Jesus for a while now. Is our life worth following? Hmm. Is our life worth following? Does it actually point to Jesus? Can, can we say, as Paul did in 1 Corinthians 11, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ? Can we say that? Would people identify us as followers of Christ? Is our lifestyle different? Is it distinctive? Do people know that we follow Christ? And for some of you young people as well, Scripture is very clear, 1 Timothy 4.12, do not let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. So you see, it's not just about all the old people who are supposedly mature believers. This is for young people as well. Young people, children, you can be an example in your house and in your household of faith, of love and purity. This is something that applies to us all. Does your life teach people about Christ? It's going to teach them something. Our lives teach something. And kids are great mimics, aren't they? They don't follow what we say. <laughs> All parents learn that to their mistake. They don't follow what we say. They follow what we do. They follow the example. They follow the model. So what model is your life giving? You know, I, I don't know all of the details uh, of the year for you. I know many of you, of course, because of pastoring you and praying with you and walking through some of the difficult things. But for some of you, you're thinking, I really don't want 24 to be like 23. 
I really don't want to make the same mistakes. I, I want it to be different. And maybe you've thought about making resolutions. You know, most of the resolutions we, we make, we don't keep, actually. <laughs> but if there's something in our life that's following an example, that's, that's modeling, then I believe that can make the real change. Because what God's looking for is a lifestyle It's a lifestyle, a lifestyle of modeling. Shift three is from attending to participating. It can't be simply about a program that we offer. It can't be simply about attending something. Oh, what is the church doing? Does it have a program? You you know, sometimes I have people coming to me and say, oh, does the church have this? Does the church have this? And, you, you know, if people are starting off with their then it's coming with a consumer mentality. It's coming with the idea of what are you going to to do for me? But actually the purpose of discipleship is participating in the endless process of following Christ. We, We don't graduate from that. We don't get past that. It's constantly following Christ. That's why we We point you to Christ. That's why the songs that we sing point you to Christ, to who he is, to his nature, to who God's nature is. We're not here to entertain you. We're not here to keep you busy. We want you to move from attending and seeing church as something you attend. And if the church doesn't meet your needs, well, then you'll find another church that will. And that's what happens in today's consumer society. But if we have a different mentality, if we have a spiritual shift from attending to participating, that's different. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament. (coughs) And let's pick up at verse 14. So Paul's talking about all the ministry gifts and those who serve apostles, evangelists, prophets, pastors, and teachers. And he said, they have a purpose to teach you to do the work of ministry. And then verse 14. Then we will be no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every new wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church. And here's our participation. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Can you see the progress here? Can you see the process that God is involved in? He makes the body fit together. He calls us to be together. That's why we focus on this idea of community. That's the word that you hear us talk about a lot. Because the church is meant to be a community together. It's not simply simply somewhere that you attend. Because if you have an attendance mentality, when you don't feel like it, guess what's going to happen? You won't go. If you have an attendance mentality, when things get a little bit difficult, or you've had a bad week, well, I don't think I'll go this morning. But when you have a participation mentality, you know that you're fitted here. You know that you belong not only to Jesus, but to a local church. And then he goes on to say, as each part does its own special work, you have a work to do. 
You have a work to do in this place and through this place. And, and next year we have some incredible opportunities to be involved in ministry. And I challenge you on the threshold of this new year, not to sit back and say somebody will do it, but to actually say, I'm going to serve according to my giftings. I'm going to do my special work in new life. We all have a responsibility to do it. And as we do it, look what happens. It not only helps you grow, it helps the other parts grow. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? It not only helps you grow, it helps others grow when you serve. When you're committed to doing your work. When you're committed to participating together. And the result of that ultimately is that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. That's God's purposes for us. That's what he wants. He wants us to be a loving church, not simply in our words, but how do we get there? Love is not the goal and the aim. Love is a byproduct of us participating. You see, when you participate in something, you're engaged, you're involved, and you want to be there, don't you? When you feel as if you're participating, it's easy. You look forward to those things. But if you're just attending, then it's easy to drift. That's why Hebrews 10 verses 24, 25 says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love. So if you're thinking, what's God's will for my life? I can tell you today, think of how to motivate others to acts of love. That's God's will for you today. That's what you can start the new year thinking about. How can I motivate others in our community to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So I believe the church in the West really needs to change its attitude from attending church to being the church. From attending to participating in the life. And you will grow and the church will be healthier as a result. Amen? Amen. Shift number four is from connecting to transforming. You see, church is beyond classes and sermons. It actually has to be based on, on friendship and time together and relationship. Because the truth is, you stay around church not because of the preaching... I'm not deluded. <laughs> not even because of the worship, however awesome it is. You stay around church because you connect in, in relationship with people. That's the truth. That's what keeps you. And so we need those deep, accountable relationships with one another. We need to be able to speak truth into to one another's life. We need that because sometimes life is just tough. And we need people to walk alongside us. We need people to say, not there, there, but God is there. Huh. We don't need a there, there. You don't need tea and sympathy with the vicar. Unless there's a cake involved, I, 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 might, I might stretch to that. But no, you don't need tea and sympathy with the vicar. You need to know God's with you. And scripture's very clear on that, folks. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He's always with us. So let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. If you're not sure where that is, 
you can check your phone as Rose is just doing. If you have an actual Bible, how many of you have an actual Bible with you? Some of you. <coughs> if you turn <coughs> to the middle of your Bible, Psalms, and then turn right, Proverbs, and your Song of Songs, and you'll, you'll find Ecclesiastes <coughs> in there. It is here. That's embarrassing, isn't it? Somebody's moved Ecclesiastes in my Bible. It's after Proverbs. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Verse 9. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out to help but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be kept warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. We need one another. We, we need to have those deep relationships. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member's honored, then all the members can rejoice with it. And, and that the truth of church life is we have both. We know that Anthony lost his father on Christmas Day and many of us have sent our sympathy to him. We know that many of you have lost in this last year as well and we've, we've wept with you and, and we rejoice with others who've had promotions and, and, and births and all of those things. Life is just a mixture of both, isn't it? And we need people alongside us in every season of life. And in some of the seasons of life where we lose our way a little. Paul says in Galatians 6, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you won't be tempted. Carry one, one another's burdens, and this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Hebrews 13, verse 3 says this, but encourage one another daily while it's still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deceptions. We can easily be hardened by sin's deceptions. Sin is very deceitful. It comes in and it just says, no, it's fine, don't worry about that. Everyone's doing it. Or it's okay, God doesn't mind, God will forgive you. And while of course God is a forgiving God, if we get into a habit and a pattern, then we do begin to harden our hearts. Sin will deceive us. And so we need deep, accountable relationships that people can speak truth into our life. Sometimes that's encouragement. Sometimes that's correction. But we need those relationships together. <coughs> Excuse me. If all we do in church is see the back of someone's heads, then there's something wrong. Because church is meant to be based on relationship, deep relationships that are authentic and getting to know one another. Shift number five, from attracting to deploying. Jesus actually had a small group of people that he invested in. Jesus wasn't particularly impressed with the crowds. In fact, the crowds at times deserted him. And he said, what are you, are you gonna desert me too? 
Jesus wasn't impressed with the Western mentality or even uh, in other nations, some churches where they focus on how many people that we have today. Is the church growing? Is this? And they're focused on numbers. But actually, Jesus was not focused on attracting people. He was focused on deploying people. He was focused not on the seeding capacity, but on the sending capacity. And it's the love of the Father that sends us. Here's a little mini Bible study for you. I'm not going to go into all the details, but for those of you who are students of the Word or like to do a little bit of a deeper study, Jesus says in in John's Gospel, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And he recognizes right throughout the Gospel of John that it's the love of the Father who sends us. I think the next slide, Chris. And he sends us to, to our networks to all the relationships that we have, you will have a different network than me. He sends us to our networks, to our neighbors, and some of us he sends to different nations as well. All of those things are areas that we can influence, but it's the love of the Father that sends us, and most frequently in the Gospel of John, around 40, 42 times, depending on the translation, it talks about this idea of the Father as the sending God. 17 times we're informed that the Father has sent the Son. You can look up all those references. The PDF for this will go on the website after the service or you can take a screenshot. So this is the thing, this idea. Can you see the word apostle in there? So the fact that Jesus is sent, he is the perfect apostle. He is the one who sent the pioneer. He's the one who comes to preach and teach and heal the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus wasn't focused on getting people into church. He was focused on sending people out into the mission field. Seven occasions we come across what is probably the preeminent title for God in the fourth gospel. The Father who sent me. For those of you who are scholars, you can even read it in the transliteration of the Greek there. The Father who sent me. Jesus lived with that divine mandate. He wasn't just, oh, well, suppose I better get on with this. He had a divine mandate over our life. And, and do you have that sense of calling in your life? Do you know what God's called you to do? We can help you with that process if you don't, but are you serving according to how you're gifted? And then 16 times in the gospel, there's a simpler expression, he who sent me. So if you're reading in John's gospel in 21 chapters, can you see around 40 to 42 times? Can you see the pattern? If, if, if that was someone talking to another person, they'd say, will you stop nagging me? I heard you. They, they would. There's so much repetition. There's, there's so much of the emphasis that Jesus is saying. It's not about attracting people. It's about deploying people. And I think we need to make a shift in the church from that. Because we do want to reach the community. And we're not going to do that on a Sunday morning. It's the rest of the week that counts. It's the stuff that we do in the schools. It's the stuff we do in Cosmic Comets. It's the stuff we do in Little Stars. It's the stuff Michelle does on a Monday night. It's all of that stuff that happens outside of a Sunday that you can be deployed into. The love of the Father sends us. Here's the problem. (laughs) I'm glad this is a quote and not me saying this. (laughs) Christians tend to be incredibly self-indulgent. 
They see the church as a place for them to meet their needs and to express their faith in a way that's meaningful for them. There's almost no genuine compassion or urgency about serving and reaching the lost. Ouch. Ouch. Do you know why that's ouch? Because it's by and large true. It's by and large true. We become so indulgent. We become so self-absorbed. We've become it all about meeting our needs and people being there for us that we forget that there is a harvest field in the world. Jesus says there is a harvest field. There is an opportunity for us. Are we serving? Are we willing to reach lost people? Are we willing to go out of our comfort zones and learn German? Sprachens Sie Deutsch? <coughs> Are we willing to do and, and go wherever? See, when I was a teenager, I stood in a meeting <coughs> and the preacher said, how many of you will stand this evening and give your life to God and give your life to him wherever he sends you? And I felt that conviction of God's Holy Spirit. I was only a teenager at the time. I hadn't even left school at that point. But I knew something was stirring in me that I had a calling to something bigger and wider. I knew God was going to take me to different nations. But before I could do that, I had to go to my own street, actually, and share the gospel. I had to go to my own neighbors. Because if you can't go to your neighbors, how can you go to other nations? So God always starts us in Jerusalem. God always starts us somewhere. So maybe you're thinking, God's put something in my heart that's out there and I don't know how I'm going to get there. Start with where you are. Start by, by making some of these shifts. Start by coming next week and saying, okay, what are some of the shifts I need to do individually as well that will help me? I'd planned to do this. I'd prepared this and, and got it all sorted out a couple of days ago. But in our our devotions this morning that Bev and I do together, we, we usually do the Lectio 365 app. Any of you that will uh, that do that or follow that along um, will know that this morning was the what's called the Methodist Covenant Prayer. Remember when the Methodists were passionate for the gospel and hadn't compromised? Well, this, this is what they prayed. This is a portion of this prayer. I wonder, can you make it your own as well? They said, I'm no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. I don't know what mistakes you've made in 2023. I don't know what stuff you, you're happy to leave in the past. I don't know what mess is there that you're facing today. But I, knew, I do know that you can go in to 2024 with a completely different attitude. I know you can go in with a different mindset. I know you can go in 
with the right attitude, saying, Lord, whatever happened at 23, I, I leave it behind. I I'm going to shift and put my life and everything I have at your disposal. I'm no longer my own, but yours. <coughs> I wonder, can you make that your prayer this morning? Let's close our eyes and I'm, I'm going to read that again. <coughs> Excuse me. And I'll read it slowly. If you'd like, you can pray it under your breath. You can pray it out loud. The key is not saying the words. The key is meaning it. Because I've found with God, he will take you at your words. So be careful what you say. Be careful what you pray. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. I'm now a glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're mine and I'm yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Father, I pray that as we've prayed that sincerely, as we've prayed that with reverence, that as we cross over into 2024, that we'll see the fruits of those words in our life that we'll see the fruits of those life in our faith growing and being stronger and established in him, that we'll see the fruits of that in our families, that we'll see the fruits of that in our finances, that we'll see the fruits of that in our ministries, that we'll see the fruits of that in new life. Let it be, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, we're going to come sing a song that Keegan and Amelia wrote. Many of you will know it was sung before. It's called In Him While I Trust. And then I'll just come back very quickly, do the announcements, and then we'll have an opportunity for tea and coffee together. Let's sing. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed the teaching. We'd love to hear from you, so please contact us. All the details can be found on our website. God bless.